All right. Susan Nunn in the house. Jeremy Sather, good to see you guys. Nancy Williams, glad to see you're here tonight for sure. This is Chris with Cycle Source Magazine. I'm in the HQ, 50 floors below the street level in the Dennis Kirk Motorcycle Studio, getting ready for another episode of Shop Talk. Good to see all you guys piling in tonight. It's going to be a fantastic show, man, like I was putting up on the on the uh, comment box. What a great story. What a great way to end such a hard week where it seems like everybody's talking about division and how we need unity. Well, apparently, goodwill, unity, and uh, a sense of what the hell you should do with your life is alive and well with motorcycle, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Jason Holman in the house. Johnny Dell from Spring Hill, Florida. TN slash Florida, Tennessee, Florida. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where you are. What's this? Hang on. Shop Talk coming up. Just five minutes. We're doing a quick, quick, quick countdown. Actually, two minutes, 34 seconds. We're going live. Make sure to hit the like like and share button. Let everybody know we're live. Jeff Cohen, yo, yo, what's up to you too? Amy Keene in the house. Right on. Good to see you guys. Lisa Ballard, keeping it strong over a chop call. Pittsburgh, New York. I almost swore there. Rush Journey, Kearney, Nebraska. Thank you to all veterans. We were just talking about that, man. Absolutely. Chilling. Got to watch Steelers win. I'm not watching football still. I'm not watching any television. Jesus. It just gets worse and worse. I want to see the view between those two handlebars. Nova Scotia in the house. Whoop, whoop. Derek Collins. Glad to have you aboard, brother. All right. Just a minute 47. Minute 47 on a quick countdown. Going live with Sunday Night Shop Talk. Are you kidding me, Glasgow, Scotland? I almost swore again. I can't keep my shit together. We haven't even started the show. John Fonda Jr., what's up? What's up to you too, Walter Curro? Tony Tello, right on. Good to see you here. One minute, 23 seconds. Countdown's going fast tonight. We're moving to the five-minute countdown because you guys are always chomping at the bit to get this shit going. Ryan McCarthy in from Tennessee. We're always excited to get it started, too. Nobody more than Heather. She's live from New Hampshire. Probably her last remote for a little bit. 57 seconds. Counting down the time till we go live with Shop Talk. And that one's going to get us close enough. We might as well get this one out of the station, up on the tracks. Get ready to go live with Shop Talk. Here we go. Okay, scooter tramps and chopper jockeys all across the land. It's 9 p.m. or shortly after, four minutes. That's pretty good. Pretty good for us. You know, we're on ish time. This is 
Chris Callen coming to you live from the Dennis Kirk Motorcycle Studios, 50 floors below the street level here at Cycle Source Magazine headquarters. We're taking a little break from the mobile studio while we uh, re-outfit it. There's going to be some some very good news about that pretty soon, I'm hoping. But in the meantime, I want to welcome my crew to the show. How's everybody doing? Coming in from all parts. Tired from walking hey, down all them steps. Right. <laughs> 50 floors. <laughs> we need them over here. <laughs> So, so many people already in tonight. Like, it's crazy. Bill Stevens is here. Did you say she's below sea? You're below sea level? No, street level. Oh, street level. I thought you said sea level. My brain's not working right. Did you bump your head? Are you taking the medication? Listen, I got to talk about this for one second before we get started here because one of our viewers tonight, where's he at? Oh, boy. Oh, I lost it. Johnny Johnny Dell. Johnny Dell, I'm fourth place for next round to win a build my own bike from the OCC at the moment. So this oh is boy. this thing's actually heating up pretty cool, man. You know, I wondered how this was gonna play out when we first announced this, and it seems like there's a lot of excitement about it. Um we wish you luck, man. We're you know, we're gonna obviously be involved in that thing covering everything from start to finish, so hope to see you through that. Uh Rob Nussbaum in the house. Biker CR, greetings, friends. Um, Chris Simmons in the house. Good to see you, Chris. Jeff Collins, so so many longtime friends, man. We appreciate it. Going to be a great show. And Jason Holman also reminds us that I talked about this as a truly one-of-a-kind motorcycle you're going to see tonight when we get into the conversation here. And uh, he reminds us, wait till you see this bike in person at the Wheels of – or Wheels – the Wheels Central Florida Wheels. He's like losing his mind over there too. The Central Florida Wheels of Steel Custom Motorcycles Steel Show. Wow. There's too many steels and, and wheels in there. Steels wheels and wheels and steels and deals on wheels and <laughs> So I'll cut to that real quick. Before I forget, Adrian Lewis is looking for recommendations on building a frame jig. I sent him a link to um, the Chop Source frame jig that we use in our shop. Okay, um, I will tell you this. Um, a long time ago, I went to Will Ramsey, renowned, world-renowned frame uh, jigger, jigger, mathematician yeah, guy, frame jigger guy. And uh, Will told me that he wouldn't help me build a frame jig. Actually, he didn't say he wouldn't help me. He said he wouldn't build one for me. He said the reason behind that is if you're going to do the kind of work that involves manipulating the foundation of, of what makes a motorcycle go down the road, you have to do the work ahead of time, understand everything that makes you know, correct frame geometry and, and the jig itself a, uh, a crucial part of that. So do the homework. Uh, like Heather said, we can probably bring a link up for the – the chop source guys for their frame jig because it's a really nice piece of equipment. We have it in the source garage and use the hell out of it. Heather's audio is low. I know, Rob. I, I'm trying. Thanks, Heather, Heather has limited equipment up in, up in Nashua, Nashua, New when, Hampshire. When Heather talks, you just have to listen closer. She has to project. Go ahead, I Heather. I yell. Do I need to yell? You do. Chris, oh. make me mad real quick. Make me mad. Say something stupid. Chris spent money today you don't know about. I'm going to buy a... a F two fifty. I'm going to buy an F two fifty tomorrow. It has thirty six. Thirty six fifteen super swampers. It's obscene. I bet you it's going to get like two miles to the gallon downhill in then neutral. I am not coming home. <laughs> I will stay in New Hampshire. Oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, man. Hey, like I said, this is Chris. We're coming to you live from the, the uh, Dennis Kirk Motorcycle Studio with a little thing called Shop Talk. We do every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, it's all about motorcycles. So life with the motorcycle in and around it and the people that we meet when we go around the country in pursuit of the next great motorcycle. Uh, Shop Talk itself, we started around five years ago. We welcome you to be part of the conversation. This uh, box over here, you can put all your questions, concerns, comments up there. We'll try to get to them throughout the show. And uh, Shop Talk comes on, like I said, every Sunday. We do 90 to 120 minutes, all the bullshit we can fit. Usually starts out with a program we like to call The News. First up, a little love for my buddy there. It is the Central Florida Wheels of Steel without auto-correct, presented by Geico. Um, this show is going to be off the hook. Everybody's going to be there. We're going to be in attendance, not just as uh, source media with the truck and everything. We're going to be doing interviews throughout the week, but also down through this list of incredible builders that are going to be on hand somewhere here. Why? Why? See, I knew we should have picked a name with an A. Flatbroke Chops and Rods is going to be there also. So, um, hey. lot, but like I said, a lot of great people. Like we're man. from Canada. Hey, Chops. Hey, hey. Flatbro. Hey, Curtis Hoffman's going to be in the house. Uh, Brian Buter, you saw. Xavier from Providence. Ronnie from Chop Docs. You know, so many great builders. F Eric from F&A, a. Johnny99. Oh, yeah, Johnny99. forgot about him. He's Cody Childress. Can't wait to see to, to actually get to hang out with him in person. Bare Knuckle Paul is going to be in the house. Alleyway. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a killer show. So look him up, cfwillsofsteel.com, and uh, get ready for a hell of a time down in Lakeland. First up in the news tonight, and this comes in from uh, Symbol. That stands for Autoblog. Honda reports 2.3 billion profit despite pandemic. Now, before you get excited, automobile sales were up, but motorcycle sales were down. <laughs> Tokyo, Japanese automaker Honda reported Friday that its profit rose 23% in the last quarter despite a pandemic that has slammed businesses around the world. Tokyo-based Honda said its July-September profit was 240.9 billion yen, 2.3 billion American, up from 196.5 billion yen a year earlier as the automaker recovered in some parts of the world. Um, Honda said it carried out aggressive cost cuts that involved fundamental review of its operations, situation improving from earlier this year when lockdowns and other problems related to COVID caused disruption of some production and inventory crunch. Basically, the point of this is to bring up the fact that in spite of the the uh, surge in sales and delivery of their products, the motorcycle sales part of Honda was down. So, there what you I have. actually thought was interesting about it is they sold fewer motorcycles, but they still sold 4.5 million motorcycles worldwide. Oh yeah, that's the big red that's machine, down dude. From 5.1 million. So, I mean, that's still. A a hell of a number. lot of business. And if you really think yeah. about that, I mean, it goes along it goes along the same trend, the same graph that you're going to follow, the chain from the from baby boomer generation to generation X, you know, and as it transitions through millennials, when millennials hit the super consumer seat, that's going to rise up again. That was a mouthful. I know, right? Super and I said it pretty seat. fast, too, without without a stutter. Stutter. Because I don't want to be present. But <laughs> that's another story. Okay, moving over to the AMA. Next, uh, next item up in the news. 
Um, very sad day to announce that AMA Motorcycle Hall of Famer Everett Brashear passes. Flat tracker racer won 15 national titles. This comes in from the AMA's website. Pickering, Ohio, Everett Brashear, one of the top AMA flat track racers in the 1950s, died October 29th in Los Angeles, California. He was 93. Between 52 and 60, Mr. Brashear won 15 AMA flat track nationals and dozens of regional races. He was inducted in the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame in 1998. Born in Beaumont, Texas. Beaumont. You know, you, that's where Clinton Wallace lived when we first Beaumont. met him, wasn't it? On January 17, 1927, Mr. Bashir grew up with little interest in motorcycling. He first took up riding after he left the military in 1946, an era that we call when the shit hit the fan. <laughs> that's, what, now that's significant to, to all motorcycling, but um, our hearts and prayers go out to his family and uh, to all the motorcycling for losing a great hero. Um, next up in the news, and this is kind of sad, man, I have to say. So comes in from Celebrity Access. Um, Harley Davidson drops Summerfest sponsorship. Now, anyone who's not in and around the, the Milwaukee area might not understand this, but Summerfest Park is where Harley Davidson has its its anniversary parties, you know, when they have the 100th, the 105th, everything. It happens in a place called Summerfest Park. Summerfest Park is super important to the Milwaukee area because, like, throughout the, the summer, they have these killer, killer concerts all through the summer. And uh, apparently, as it comes in from Celebrity Access, Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated, producer of Summerfest, America's largest music festival, announced that they have parted ways with one of their longtime major sponsors, motorcycle manufacturer Harley-Davidson. Summerfest organizers announced the sponsorship change in a social media post, writing, Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated is grateful for two decades that Harley-Davidson was a major sponsor of Summerfest, but that time has come to an end. All of us at Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated are looking forward to a new chapter of the festival as well as the new stage sponsor in 2021, which will be shared in days to come. It's it's just a sad thing. I mean, you know, we talk week after week through these hard times for motorcycling, how not just Harley-Davidson, but like you, you know, we just had the no news about Honda. These are changing times for the motorcycle industry, and as they change, you know, big companies like this are looking for ways to reallocate budgets cut from some stuff reinvest in other things and uh and in the meantime you end up losing some stuff that's that's kind of important so but i'm sure Summerfest will will bounce back from that maybe they'll start doing have a hell mega tour the wait a minute <laughs> the hell mega tour <laughs> dude oh my god if there was one good thing well i'm not even going to say that never well, mind you just shut yeah your i know i know <laughs> Wait a minute. No, that deserves this. <laughs> All right. So let's move on from the news and take a break. Um, we have really, really lucky to have the, our next guest, our guest this evening in. Um, like I said, if you saw the the promo for tonight's show, we first ran into him at Willie's Tropical, and uh, and I was immediately drawn to the motorcycle. And I have to admit, for as much of a fan as I am of David Mann's artwork, I didn't know the whole story until we got into it with him. It was pretty cool. Um, what do you have to say? 
You guys still so, here with me? So what do you have to say? Huh? Introduce it. Well, like, you didn't stop talking. No, I'm just gonna I know. introduce them already. Come on, what are you waiting I've for? Had, I've had, tonight? I've had entirely He's, too much coffee tonight. That's the problem. Wow. I made him actually do something today. That's the problem. <laughs> that, that was it. It was moving those damn cars around. Okay, so without any further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the Shop Talk audience, please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Jared Weems, Weems Motor Company. What's up, buddy? How's it going, guys? Good, man. Good. So, thank you so much. First of all, I have to tell you, we had a late a late cancellation on the show, and uh, Heather got a hold of Jared, and he just jumped right into this. We had asked you back in Daytona, though, at Biketoberfest, to make sure that we could get a hold of you for this show, and we're so happy to have you here tonight. Absolutely, man. It's it's uh, exciting to be here with you guys. So let's talk a little bit about you first you know um weems motor company you guys do some killer killer stuff with british motorcycles tell us a little bit about how, uh your your personal history and how you find yourself in the in the motorcycle business uh well i mean i'd have to say probably first off i'm a i believe a third or fourth generation motorcycle rider um I know uh, I've got photos of my grandfather when he came home from World War II and bought a brand new 1948 Harley-Davidson 75-inch uh, cubic inch uh, flathead. Um, and then my dad, you know, always building custom motorcycles and uh, little choppers and uh, stuff. And and I just kind of picked up on that bug uh, right when I was uh, just joining the military. I was like, hey, man, I want to get into bikes. And so that's kind of what I've done. And uh, if anybody knows me, I'm a very uh, uh, polarizing uh, person when it comes to hobbies. Like when I get into something, I get in super deep and uh, have a great time with it. And that's what I've done with motorcycles. And it's been it's been a wild ride. Now, right on. What uh, what what brings you to the um, the choice of British motorcycles for your platform for builds? Uh, man, I give that up to my dad. Uh, my dad had this uh, 1949 Triumph uh, Bobber, and uh, he had built it from, uh, <laughs> uh, we, you know, we talk about basket cases. Well, this wasn't a basket case. This was a shopping cart. <laughs> and it was uh, uh, basically a frame and a bunch of parts that he pieced together in this bike. And uh, my mom tells the story quite often that uh, my dad came home from work one day and I was probably about six or seven years old. And I was taking my dad's bike apart and uh, he came in and noticed that uh, I was uh, doing that. And my brother jokes around and says that I, I made a beeline for the back door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on. Yeah, so that, I think that's what got it, man. Uh, that knowing that that first motorcycle—I mean, it wasn't no, no frills. It was a, a little forty-nine pre-unit Triumph with a Sportster tank, and I think it had like a Honda or a Yamaha. Is this uh, is this actually the bike? No, that's not no. it. Okay. Um, now that's uh, that's a good buddy of mine, uh, Joe. I was working on that bike a, a few weeks back, but that's uh, yeah, that's Joe's bike. But yeah, Dad's bike was no frills, man. Uh, uh, use what he had, and I think that's what uh, I appreciate so much more now. Is is you know I can go out to the to the shop and and do things the way the guys used to do them. I mean, not do things sketchy like they used to. You know, like welding with coat hangers and blow torches and stuff. <laughs> but, but you know, like using you know minimalistic um, you know tools to to make some really amazing creations. And there's something to be said about that because 
um, like this bike I've built, this David Mann replica, um, you know, I did it the way that they would have done it back then. And, um, you know, we all remember these old David Mann paintings and how incredible they were. And these guys were turning that stuff out from sheds in their backyard. Well, listen, I want to get I want to get to that. But real quick, I want to tell you a couple of things. First, I have to tell you how refreshing it is to talk to a bike builder that the first thing that you did was was thank your father. Yeah, because, man, like, yeah. you know, that it really it really starts and ends with family. Yeah. Listen, let's give it up for you. you and you wouldn't believe how many times how many times that simple act gets yep. overlooked. But um, all the less is more thing. Right. Right. All, also, that uh that that thing that you talk about like we go over this ag- again and again man and i i really dig that part of this because it appears to be the only thing they're never going to be able to put in a box or put a price tag on but there's there's something to the world that we live in today excuse me that's so filled with uh with instant gratification and you know false sense of of accomplishment that when you spend that time in the shop and, and you make something with your hands. And you know, whatever skill level, no matter what the tools are that you have, when you walk away, that sense of satisfaction that you get from it is just, it's the best thing about all of this. You know, so I really congratulate you for, for making that, a, a you know, the forefront of what you're doing. Yeah, man. Um, you know, it was a... It was kind of a journey or a path leading me leading me to this build to where it brought me to that point to, to kind of regenerate the thoughts of how guys used to do it. Um, you know, I had the amazing opportunity when I lived in Virginia uh, from 2010 to 2012. I worked with Clay Rathburn at Adam Bomb Custom Cycles. And, you know, we were building our own frames, uh, building our own tanks, hand hammering everything out, um, you know, and doing these builds that were, you know, amazing uh, with these incredible tooling. But, you know, something to be said that, you know, these guys from the 50s or 60s, they used what they had. And, yeah. you know, it's it's difficult to, to um, kind of step back and say, all right, well, I'm not going to use, you know, the TIG welder. I'm going to use a MIG welder. Uh, I'm not going to go you know, immediately go to the mill and start, you know, machining out these parts. I'm going to take an old part and I'm going to, you know, work modify. with hand tools and, and modify it to, to make something incredible. And I think there's, there's a, a culture in, in the motorcycle community right now, of guys that are starting to do that, to, to think back, you know, how their dads or, you know, their, the, these old guys did these things. And I think it's super cool to say, you know, you, you don't have to have, all these thousand dollars worth of machinery to push out, you know, an amazing motorcycle. You just have to have a, a whole lot of desire and motivation and, and a little bit of money to, to make it work. Yeah, and I think that's a, a bit of the lost art here is, you know, like I said before, less is more. But uh, actually the craftsmanship end of it, like you said, to take an old triple tree or an old front end or whatever, an old gas tank or anything and modify it by hand. I mean, like me and Chris have said a million times, man, hammers and big bars were our best friends, you know. Oh yeah, the, the, the digging bar, yeah. the digging bar, dude. You know, I can't. I, yeah. I remember the first time that that you and I were sitting around at a uh, at a at a. It was like Limnicky Lot or something, and I mean, obviously, you know, through the years we've become kind of the, kind of the older guys in some of these crowds. But when we were telling some of the younger guys about, you know, using a rosebud torch, yep. a, a, a sawzall, and a digging bar to, 
to chop a, f- a frame on a motorcycle, and they were just like, <laughs> totally blown away. What's wrong with you, you guys? Did, you didn't ride it, did you? <laughs> Hell yeah, I rode that thing all over the country. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and, and I, I, you know, well, that's craftsmanship. I, I get, I get a lot of these because I do vintage bikes. That's my thing, especially vintage British bikes, old Triumphs and stuff. So I get a lot of these frames that were you know the shade tree mechanic and this yeah. you know in his shed you know modifying it and a lot of stuff i you know i have to stop and sit back i'm like okay there's there's an element of cool versus safe and yeah, yeah. a lot of these things man you start peeling away that those layers of bondo oh, yeah. and you're like holy cow these welds are sketchy <laughs> thank god bondo was strong back then Oh yeah, right. Well, it it went by its sister sister company named Tiger, Tiger Hair. Tiger Hair, yeah, yeah right. that's it. So that was you know when we, when we did my uh, my forty nine panhead, I talk about this story every once in a while. How you know I had this idea in my head, thinking back to the bikes that my old man and all his buddies rode, and how they were like these you know perfect fiery steeds that came down from heaven and were just you know the golden chalice, right and the whole time I'm thinking about the things I want to do this panhead and how I want to make it perfect like these bikes were, only to find out near the end of the build, one of my dad's friends stopped by and gave me a box of pictures of those old bikes, and they were the biggest hunks of shit by today's standards because they were all cobbled together from parts of other motorcycles. Nothing fit right. They were welding shit together with buzz boxes, for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you got to give it up because those early companies, the KKs and the Hap Jones and stuff, yep. that's that came out of that. Those guys that were like, hey, let's see what we can do to this. And the, your mud body guy was your best friend because somebody had to cover up all those hammer marks and yeah. the, the oh my pipe God. wrenches and shit like that. Yeah. Yep. There's been a there's been a few uh, what I call wall hanger projects up on, you know, that I hang up on the wall because – it's not savable. Uh, you know, I'd rather go back and you know just build a whole frame from scratch and and just start over. But you know, it's you know, it's amazing. I, I love the history of the motorcycle industry from you know from these guys taking stock bikes and sitting in their backyard, you know, in their shed or in their shop, and and just doing what they could do to make their bikes cooler. To everything to you know, from building frames from you know scratch. I've I've been from one you know level to the other, and you know I I appreciate all of it. I really I really dig the the companies that are producing you know these custom made frames. But there's something to be said about you know a guy that's out turning wrenches on his own, doing his own modifications. Um, you know, I was, I'm a, I'm a graduate from machine shop school. Uh, you know, I hold a license in that. Um, but something I remember was probably in the first week of my shop class was my, uh, my machinist teacher giving me a file and saying, if you know how to use this properly, then you can figure out all of these other machines. And and I didn't understand that there's a proper way to use a file. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and I was this past week, I'm building another bike for, for a show coming up in January. And, and literally I was, I had a file in my hand and that thought came back to me that, you know, I learned that there's a proper way to do this. Now I can jump over on a mill and build these things out or I could get a, you know, get over and cut the piece out of raw steel and then file it down to where it needs to be. You know, and I find more pleasure going back and doing it the hard way. Yeah. And it's just something appreciated of it. It's craftsmanship, man. 
So that's a big thing when you can do stuff like that. And again, not cutting down, you know, what these guys do now, but go back oh. 20, 25 years when we built our first bikes and, you know, maybe even longer than that, quite longer than that for me. We never had any of that stuff. I mean, torches, hammers, and I mean, they, they were our friends, you know. It was, a, but it's really cool to go back and watch a guy in a very minimal shop be able to create something off the top. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's I, an art. I think. Itself. T- I think too. You know, and this this again is in, indicative to the society that we live in today. That everything's so you know fast paced and immediate gratification. But I think partially we cheat ourselves out of that out yep. of the the bulk of that experience. Running that file, like I still use the great big file every time I get ready to place a motor in a frame in a build. I use the the same great big file every time, and I dress those motor mount bosses, and I make ready for it, and I make it nice, and like that whole thing is like, it's it's the doorway for that motor to arrive to the build. You know what I mean? And like it's that whole process. I I wouldn't cheat myself out of any of that. No, and that's that's the art of it. I you know I look at building a motorcycle as a rolling working piece of art oh yeah you know you put your blood sweat and tears into it and i think the more that you can keep your hands onto the machine rather than a machine onto the machine um that's that's the biggest thing because you know i i build motorcycles for me i'm not building you know necessary you know a, a customer requested build i want to put everything my heart my soul into this build because I look at my shop as a place of therapy. Uh, I've went through a lot of mess in my life. I've been in the military. I've dealt with PTSD. Uh, I've had a brain tumor. I've had seizures that, that caused me to, you know, move away from all of this stuff. And so when I can go out into the shop and just kind of like shut my brain off and just do something with my hands, uh, it, it's therapeutic, man. It's, it's a place of, of refuge for me. Absolutely. Well, I shut my brain off a lot, but that doesn't have anything to do with the show. As soon as he puts that hat on. <laughs> Damn it, Renee. God, he gets so, me every time. Let, let's, get in, let's get into the, the motorcycle, and then the motorcycle is going to lead us into the, the crux of the story here. But um, like we were saying in the beginning, you know, one-of-a-kind one of motorcycle, because to my knowledge, this, this was, am I correct in saying this was the only time that David Mann had a triumph in one of his paintings? Was it the only one or one of, one of very few, if anything? It was, it's actually one of two. Oh. Um, so that one was actually the only feature triumph. Um, and that one was released in July of 1983 in Iron Horse Magazine. And the other painting that featured a triumph by David Mann was actually his very first painting that he ever did called Hollywood Run. Uh, That was the painting that Ed Roth had discovered at at a motorcycle show that he was had on display next to his panhead. And uh, in that painting, it's a it's a group of motorcycle riders going up a hill with the the Hollywood sign in the backdrop. And the third motorcycle back in the stack is a Triumph. And really kind of the only way to tell because it's not as detailed as because it's a parallel twin. Um, and fun story, that's actually the other. Yep, yeah, the red bike, the third one there from the front. Uh, and I'm actually building that motorcycle right now. Nice. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of super cool. I love it because, you know, it's the quintessential 1960 style chopper. 
but it also has the connection with David Mann, and, and most of all, it has the connection with Triumph for me. Yeah, right on. So um, let me let me try to bring up your pictures here real quick. I got off track when you when you said that. I hurried up and jumped to a picture of it like a dummy. Uh, no, let, let's bring up a picture of the motorcycle and show everybody like dude just what an amazing job like it looks like that bike rode out of that painting yeah it i mean it's an amazing motorcycle so the platform on that is a 1952 triumph speed twin uh which was originally a 500 cc motorcycle uh but i did some motor work to it i boarded out about 120 over put bsa a7 pistons in it so it popped it up to about a 549 cc uh, but yeah, man, uh, when I got the original painting, I said, you know, I'm going to make this motorcycle and I'm going to do it exactly how David Mann did it in the painting. So if you literally set the motorcycle there and you look at the painting side by side, they, they are identical. Um, you know, and that's, that's a lot to be said. The, you know, the gas tank was not, um, anything that I could find on the shelf. So I ended up taking an old, um, an old road King tank and taking like six and a half inches out of the middle of it and narrowing it down, um, just to get the right shape, the right lines to it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that are on that bike that, um, that David Mann envisioned. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I did honor to him. And, uh, I believe, you know, I've talked to Jackie Mann, his wife, uh, a few weeks back and, and we're just talking about, you know, how David did his paintings and stuff. And, you know, she was like, that was never a motorcycle. That was never really a real bike. Wow. It was just something that, that David just envisioned. And, uh, it, it's, it's an honor to be able to take something that he dreamed up and uh and bring it to real life and uh show it to the public saying you know this is a vision that he had yeah absolutely so the thing that i was impressed was not only you know d did you build this incredible motorcycle it was a total tribute to you know that time and in, in the culture but then to find out the story of of what you intend to do with that bike and i'm just going to let you tell the the backstory about this yeah, sure. So, um, so kind of the story, the way it goes, was back uh, in uh, uh, 2014. I started having some some health issues and uh, started having some different symptoms: um, severe nausea, um, severe lack of energy, um, and a lot of headaches. And so, I was in the military at that point, and um, they sent me to a doctor to to get checked out. And at, at that time, they found that I had a brain tumor. Um, which is a scary event, something to hear that a doctor's telling you, you know, you got a brain tumor. And about six months after that, I, I had my very first seizure, um, which led into several seizures after that. Um, and during this time, I had a, had a good friend. Uh, I call him an old gray bearded biker guy. Uh, his name's Mike. And um, we had been talking a lot about bikes and, you know, he knew I loved Triumphs. And, and he brought me this old... Uh, sun faded picture uh, of a centerfold by David Mann and it was the picture you showed up earlier of the, of the painting but it was so sun faded I couldn't tell anything other than it was a triumph and, and, um, and I just thought it was an incredible moment and I was going through a lot of stuff at that time obviously as you can understand going through you know hearing news like that so I pretty much sold everything 
that had to do with motorcycles, sold all of my tools, sold everything that, you know, I used to build motorcycles and cause I didn't know if I was going to live a day or live a year. And, um, um, so I just held onto that picture as a, as a great gift and set it, set it up on the shelf. And so I went through that process about three or four years of, of dealing with, with the tumors and the seizures and stuff. And then I got, um, word from a good friend, Mike Davis. He's the organizer of born free out in California. And, uh, he said that they're going to be hosting a, a pre-unit triumph only class. And, uh, for this past year's born free and asked, you know, if I'd be interested in, you know, bringing something out for the show and, and, you know, I talked to my wife and said, you know, Hey, I got this opportunity. What do you think? And, you know, she, she was concerned about the health and, you know, number two, about the finances that, you know, it takes to build a motorcycle. And, uh, and she gave me the green light and I thought, you know, it's a great opportunity because at that point I'd started to get stabilized. Uh, I think my, at that point, my last seizure was about three months prior to that. And, uh, and so I said, you know, I'm going to build a bike. I'm going to build this bike and I'm going to do it the right way because this may be the last motorcycle I ever get the chance to build. Oh. And so I built the bike for myself and uh, I said, no, I'm not going to spare a dime on it. I'm going to do everything, you know, to the top notch that I possibly can with what I have. You know, I'd sold everything. And uh, so I went to work doing it. Uh, luckily, during that time, I had a friend of mine in the military. Um, I helped the family go through their father's motorcycle collection. And as a, as a gift, they gave me this um, ratty old, you know, 52 Triumph that had been, like we said earlier, that had been severely molested and, you know, and tore up. And, and I said, you know, well, maybe this is some good bones to, to start this bike from. And uh, that's what I did. I took that bike and started kind of sourcing out all those super rare parts, those hard things to find that David incorporated into the painting. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think the process was very, um, therapeutic. It was, it was a good moment. There were some days that I just didn't feel like going out to the, the shop and working. And there were other days where I, you couldn't pull me out of there. Um, but the whole process was, was done for that. And, um, when, I got about 75% done with it. Um, I had the opportunity to meet uh, some kids and that changed the whole vision for the, for this project. Yeah, no, listen, I, I have to, I have to cut in for just one second and tell you, like we talk about the metaphysics of motorcycling all the time, you know, and, and we tell stories individually. We all have stories about how motorcycle and motorcycle people saved our, our lives. But man, like, the gravity of what you just talked about that, you know, you're going to do this motorcycle, you're going to do it, you know, the right way. This may be the last motorcycle that you build. Like that's, that's seriously, seriously heavy, man. Yeah. And I, I can understand, I can understand just from the relief I get from garage time. I can understand, you know, where you go to in your mind and, and the therapy that's involved in that. Yeah. And, and you know, the, it's wonderful to get out there and do that. But then, you know, you realize that you sold everything that you had to work on motorcycles. You're like, dang it, man, I really wish I had that mill right now. Uh, this, this process a lot, you, but in those moments, you know, you just stop and think, you know, it, it's how precious life is. You know, you cannot Amen. take Amen. A, a moment, a minute for granted. Um, you know, I think a lot, even, you know, with the bikes that I'm working on right now that, you know, what happens if 
you know, I'm, you know, 75% done molding this frame. Uh, and it, you know, I, I pass away, God forbid, or whatever. And this, this thing goes on to the next person that these motorcycles carry a story of their own. And if yes, we can sir. only have, if we can only have those stories, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I, we've all had those bikes. We're like, man, where, where did this come from? Who rode this? Who built it? Um, you know, and I think that, you know, the process through this motorcycle, because of so much attention that it's got, um, within the motorcycle community that I think the story is going to live further on than me, um, because just the attention that it's got. And I think that's, that's incredible to be a part uh, of the story of just simply building a motorcycle. Um, and, and like I said, how that plays in with these kids that I've met. So yeah, t- take us, take us into that story. Um, tell, tell us about the kids and the, the forgotten angels. Yeah. So, uh, I was about 75% done with the bike. Uh, everything was already at that point, um, you know, back from Chrome or polish and, and paint. And, uh, there was a friend of mine, she had been telling me for a long time, Hey, you got to link up with these people. Uh, they're just down, down the road from you guys and, and they need some help with, uh, with some kids. And, and I have a heart for, you know, paying it forward. Um, I love to, um, you know, help people out in any possible way that I can, you know, whether it's changing a spare tire or, you know, doing some welding on, you know, anything. Um, so I eventually got the moment to, to go out to, uh, this property, um, and, and, and meet these folks. And, uh, David and Cindy are, are the, the president and the executive director for Forgotten Angels. And Forgotten Angels is an organization that brings in kids who have aged out of the foster care system and are homeless. And uh, what that basically means is uh, once a kid reaches the age of 18, if they have not been adopted, um, the state looks at them as as an active adult and basically says, we're not going to give any more funds to these foster families or these foster care facilities. And you're an adult, figure it out. And these kids, you know, most of them haven't even graduated high school. Most of them, you know, don't have a job. They don't have a car. They don't have any kind of life skills and they have no place to go, but homeless. And uh, David and Cindy have these huge hearts, you know, to, to bring these kids in and, and about a year, uh, probably coming up on two years now, um, Cindy, um, she as a, herself as a result of uh, being aged out of the foster care system, know exactly what these kids are going through. And uh, she said, you know what, I'm going to take my own money and I'm going to purchase some property and I'm going to try to help these kids in any way I possibly can. And they purchased this 12 acre property here in Florida and uh, they're building tiny homes for these kids to get them off the streets and they bring them in and um, Probably the most heart-wrenching, hardest thing, hardest stories to hear is, you know, these kids are on their 18th birthday um, and they get kicked out of their homes. Mm. And I mean, we think about our lives, you know, we had great parents. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but I guarantee your parents didn't kick you out on the streets at 18 years old. And that's what these kids get for their 18th birthday. And so what Cindy and David do, they bring them in. And the first thing they do is they go buy them a birthday cake and say, hey, this is home. And uh, so they bring them in, give them a a bed to sleep on, give them a full belly. 
and just start walking the path with them where they want to go, you know, what they want to be when, you know, they grow up because they're still kids. I call them kids. They're 18, you know, they're adults, but whatever, man. Well, and especially I by today's standard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like kids aren't uh, like the way we were by 18. I don't feel like yeah. kids have the same maturity curve. Yeah. Well, yes and no, because I remember when I was 18, I was still stupid. I still made <laughs> tough decisions. So, uh, and I'm 42. So, um, not to say that anybody has it together when they're 18 years old. And, you know, we all need a little bit of help. And that's what they're doing with these kids, man. Number one, they're giving them a place to call home because they don't have a place to go to. Ooh, just that support's so, huge. Yeah. So I was about 75% done with the motorcycle. And, and I had a chance to go out there to meet them. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there having this conversation. We're sitting at this, this table and we're talking, you know, about how can, you know, how can I help? What do I have to offer? You know, what skills can I teach a kid? And, and in that moment, I said, you know what? I have this motorcycle and I built it for myself and screw it. I'm going to give it to you guys and let's raffle this thing off and make some money. And uh, I was like, that's the skill. That's the resource I have right now in this moment. And I, I didn't even ask my wife. I didn't say, you know, hey, we, we have these thousands of dollars invested into me building this motorcycle. I didn't do that. I just said, you know what? These people need help. And I have this opportunity to help them with what resources and abilities I have. And I said, screw it. You can have my motorcycle. Let's raise you guys some money. And I started walking that path. You know, I was like, I didn't know what that looked like or how to operate a raffle or you know what the legalities were or, you know i wanted to make sure all the t's and i's were crossed and we you know we're doing this the right way because it's not my name on the line it's forgotten angel's name on the line and i think that's the most important part is that i have a, a, a opportunity and i have a responsibility to do this the right way not only to to help that organization but to help that new kid that has that 18th birthday tomorrow that doesn't have a place to go that i can help that kid get a home uh, absolutely absolutely and i mean how how fantastic to find your way to a, a life of service through such a hard time and and to realize you know what a what a difference you can make even even in some of our darkest times, man, reaching out not only does something for other people, but it in inside inside it really it really takes you to another place. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, we all look back twenty twenty. We say, man, this year sucked. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of bad stuff in twenty twenty. Yes, um, but I think for me wholeheartedly, this year has been incredible because of the people. Uh, that I've had the opportunity to meet, like just like you guys, you know, um, people across the motorcycle community that have reached out and said, you know, how can we help? Uh, how can we be a part of this project that you're doing? And, you know, we've had some amazing people jump on board. Uh, you know, Bill from Biltwell Incorporated jumped on and said, man, I can't do anything with the bill, but I can give you a helmet and we can add this as part of the raffle. Uh, and then my good buddy Tyler from Lowbrow Customs and said, you know, same thing. How can I help? How can I help these, you know, these kids out? And he's like, I'm going to give you, you know, this this lump of money. Let's put together a package. And uh, and and through this, you know, I've met Jackie Mann. I've uh, you know had the opportunity to talk with her daughter, and just kind of find out where you know David was in the midst of this. And and little did I know. But David actually adopted a son uh, when he lived here in, in Clearwater, Florida. And no kidding. So I think it's just 
serendipitous to say that my heart is his heart because he wanted to help kids too. And uh, I just think that that's amazing that, you know, David passed away in 2004, that here 16 years later that, you know, I could take a small little piece of, uh, of my abilities and my talents to glean light back onto what he did, you know, how he influenced and motivated uh, so many people to build motorcycles, but use mine to also not only do that, but to help other kids too. Yeah. And you know what? I like, you know, when you're talking about meeting somebody like Jackie, Jackie is just so incredible, but it's the, it's the same kind of thing. Like the, the reason, the reason that people like David were special were the stories behind it, you know, and finding out, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because motorcycling, regardless how the outside world has looked at us for so long, motorcycling has always been about community. You know, even when people didn't understand who we are, why we acted the way that we did, community was at the at the at the forefront of everything that we did. Um, yeah, so, I, I had a you know through, through the midst of it, you know, just looking at the painting and building the motorcycle and stuff. Um, somebody had reached out to me via Instagram, and they're like, "Hey, I know who has that hot dog stand," and I was no. like, what? "And I was like, what?" And so he's like, he's like, yeah, he's a good friend. He's kind of like a semi-celebrity. Let me reach out to him and maybe connect some dots. And, uh, and lo and behold, I found out that it's Mr. Bobby Green from, uh, from Old Crow Speed Shop out in L.A. had purchased the hot dog stand uh, because his heart is to, uh, to keep all of these Hollywood icons uh, out there and available. Yeah. And- for people and so he's actually restoring the hot dog stand right now so we can go out to california oh my god and re- we're gonna recreate the painting into real life and uh, that's something that i'm super excited about obviously this past year 2020 uh we had huge plans for born free that got canceled uh we were heading out to uh to visit lisa and chopper fest which is the david mann show um and uh, so a lot of that stuff's gotten canceled. So now we're just like resetting to figure out how we can work out the logistics of that and, and make it happen. Because I think that, you know, talking with Jackie uh, and, and their daughter, Tracy, it's just that's something that would, you know, really touch their heart uh, is to bring more people to the knowledge of what David did for the motorcycle community. What's the what's the timeline for the hot dog stand to be done? Because obviously you're going to need somebody to step up with the silver sportster too. <laughs> no uh-huh. right, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I've had a bunch of people. I say, are you going to build the iron head too? And I'm like, man, I used all of my money to build this product. <laughs> I was like, you can build it. Um, get hey, crazy. listen, tell tell me what the timeline are. Maybe yeah. maybe me and Mark can build the silver sportster. Yeah. So, so what, basically what uh, we had originally set out and everything was laid out, uh, logistically planned out, was to, to do the photo shoot at Born Free last year, um, which was originally supposed to be held in June. Uh, obviously, due to COVID, it got pushed back to September, and now it's gotten canceled and just they're reset all the way till June again. Um, with the motorcycle, um, the way I look at it, because we're raffling it off, it's not my motorcycle. It's somebody's motorcycle and i'm just kind of caretaking it until i can put it into the owner's hands um so i'm gonna have to have that that intimate conversation saying hey this was kind of you know an idea that we had would you love to have your motorcycle and the painting uh recreated into real life oh and then them knowing that it was inspired from that 
the oh, DMs yeah. not to do that. Yeah, I, 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 w- I would hope so. But it's, you know, the raffle's been amazing. And I, I wanted to share with you guys tonight, and I haven't shared it with anybody else across all the social media. So as of November the 5th, we turned our third month into, um, into the raffle. It started August 5th, and so November 5th was the third month. And we're over thirty-three thousand dollars. Right on! That's awesome. Well, listen. So that's news for you guys. That's that's killer. And I want to I want to tell everybody. I want to take a minute and talk. Look, you know, this is how they've been doing it on on the debates and stuff, right, <laughs> folks? I got <laughs> no, but seriously, we have such an incredible audience here. You know, through Cycle Source Magazine and through. Um, Chopper Town and and all of our all of our friends that carry this feed, I want to put this to you guys. Go to this site. Go to Weems Motor Company Motorco dot com. Go to the raffle page. We brought it up. You've been looking at pictures on there, and grab a ticket for this. You know, you guys did us so proud when when things happened, like when Bill Dodge went down. Everybody flooded the site and put some money in. And you know, right now, man. Remind yourself that 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 being in service and being a part of this community, how much good it does inside for you also, but how far this goes. Go buy that ticket. Go get there. $25 for a ticket, and and the work that's being done with this money is incredible. $100 for five tickets. WeemsMotorCo.com. Hit the raffle up here in the corner. Go to raffle. Go do that. Spend some of that COVID money. (laughs) It's not gonna kill you, I promise. And we seem to say it a lot. It's for the kids, you know. We just bought raffle tickets. Bought raffle awesome. Tickets. Yeah, I mean, you're uh, doing something good. You're giving a kid an opportunity, maybe to have a better life. Yep. So yeah, no, it's been a very great process through it. Um, you know, obviously launching just the initial saying, "Hey, we're gonna raffle this motorcycle." Having you know, built well, jump on board, lowbrow, and the David Mann official store. Uh, you know, I. I I was kind of looking at, you know, the Born Free show as, you know, this motorcycle standing alone, just sitting out on a field. It, to me, it was like it would get drowned. And, and I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing motorcycle, but it would, get, it would get drowned in a in a sea of other amazing motorcycles. And I think so much more behind it is the story, the David, yep. Man, David Mann connection. And so I started searching out. I was like, you know, I was like, hey, how cool would it be to to have the painting on display with motorcycle? Um, you know, being that David Mann only painted two Triumphs, most people never knew he ever painted a Triumph, you know, no. for his Harleys. And so I started that search out and started working with Easy Rider Magazine, which holds all the rights to the published David Mann paintings. And uh, I was able, uh, luckily, to, to trace down the owner of the original painting. And uh, through some discussion and some talks, they decided that they would release for the first time to the public uh, a limited edition run of prints right of on. and uh, and as being a part of this project they said you know what we're going to give you print number one right the on. only one on canvas in the original size of wow. the original painting that can go with the motorcycle so whoever wins the motorcycle wow. they win the bike they win the print number one and that we had a custom made platform uh, that has the David Mann signature on the, you know, the bike sits on. Um, so they win all of that as a grand prize. And, you know, somebody's going to win something incredible for 25 bucks. And I joke around at all the shows and I say, I got more more than $25 in the headlight on the bike. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I tell people, it's like, if you win, 
I'll triple your money. I'll give you three times the amount you paid in raffle tickets to buy the bike back. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, but no, it's going to be awesome. You know, I've, I it's been a wonderful process. Three months in, we're over sixteen hundred tickets total sold. That's so uh, The great. average the average person purchases two and a half tickets. I mean, that's just doing the math. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, we've had people purchase tickets from the other side of the world, uh, because, you know, I said, David Mann is bigger than any of us. You know, there's people, you know, across the pond that, you know, were influenced by him just as well as us. And so we've opened it up to international entrance and, uh, we said, whoever wins it, we're going to cover up to $500 for shipping, which is not a lot when you think about it, um, but we said, you know, if it's within the continental U.S., I'm going to deliver it for free. That's um, awesome. So for those people, you know, I just say, you know, if you're interested and you live, you know, outside of the U.S., you know, go on and purchase tickets, but purchase them wisely because, you know, there's extra additional costs for shipping. We're going to cover 500, which may cover the cost of of, of the crating fee. But there's import fees and things like that. But if somebody's truly interested and they truly have a heart for supporting these kids, just go to ForgottenAngelsFlorida.org. They have a donate button. And, uh, you know, donate. There's several organizations, you know, there's businesses that, you know, legalities, they can't purchase raffle tickets, but they want to support them. And so I just point them, say, hey, hey, you know, go on, you know, whatever you want to do, help these people out. We've had... Um, you know, we've had people donate items straight to Forgotten Angels. We've had uh, plumbing businesses come out to Forgotten Angels property and, and do plumbing repairs and set up, you know, bathrooms and things like that. So, you know, they can take all of the help they could possibly get. Uh, it's a wonderful organization. And if you go out there, it's, you know, it's not this, you know, behind closed doors thing now uh, they're wide open you can go right onto their property you can walk right up and talk to cindy she's the president of the organization david they live on the property and uh you can go up and talk to any of these kids and you know find out exactly what they're doing this organization is literally boots on ground walking you know throughout the the area looking for kids who need help and and it's not just a florida thing they have kids from all over the united states that somehow find out that there's a place that they can call home. And I've heard numerous stories of these kids getting on a bus, getting in a car, walking across, you know, the, the Tampa Bay area just to get to a place where they can call home. And and that's what they're doing for these kids. And, and I can say, man, if I can build a motorcycle uh, every year, I would do it. Uh, My finances won't, won't be able to sustain that, but, whatever I can do to help these kids, you know, find a place to call home. That's what it's all about for me. Hey, so there's a, there's a great little undercurrent happening here. First of all, everybody's throwing up that they just bought tickets. Chris Summer Simmons just bought tickets. Um, Kid Moto 22 coming in from Facebook said, I'm on the record. If I win, it's his bike. That's the third or fourth comment that I've heard of people that say, if they win this thing, they want to see you end up with the bike. Um, yeah, that's been super cool, man. I've had a, a few people reach out, and uh, some people from you know overseas. They're like, "Hey, if I win the bike, uh, I just want to donate it to a museum, just so it's on display for other people to see." And uh, there's usually two groups of people at the shows. You know, there's if I win it, I'll ride the tires off of it, or <laughs> if I win it, it's gonna sit in my living room with the painting hanging above it as a piece of art. And, and I just look at it as like, man, I'm just happy to be a part of this because. 
I can build another motorcycle. I can do that. But I don't think at this moment in time that I could not not help these kids. Absolutely. Uh, this so is way bigger than the motorcycle itself. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's, I'm like, you know, the support that I've gotten from the motorcycle community has been amazing. And I know a lot of friends who build really incredible motorcycles, and I love what they do. Uh, I would love to see, you know, the motorcycle community jump on board to start helping and using their talents even more than what they're doing because there's tons of people out there that are helping. Uh, but just taking that opportunity to say, I've got the skill. You know, even if it's just a kid in your neighborhood um, that's just interested in motorcycles, hey, come over to the house. I'll show you how to weld something. There you, you know? go. And just, just do that. I mean, it's what more does this country need right now uh, in this 2020 ravaged year is we need a glimmer of hope. Yeah, we need to feed the youth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, there's a uh, so Adrian Lewis just bought tickets. Thank you. Um, Brian Spence said it would be so cool to see the silver sports are there as well. I'm going to put this out there. Maybe Heather, can you keep track of this for us that if let, let's try to get some parts and stuff together and people that want to volunteer, let's get a project going. Maybe we can all go, you know, we're all going to be at, at uh, wheels of steel in December Maybe we can gather enough stuff together that we could spend an extra day or two when we all go to Florida at Jason Holman's place. And I'm volunteering him now, so he'll love that. And maybe we could all get together and build that silver sportster. Because that would that, be. You know, if, you, if you do that, I want to have my hands on it. I, I definitely want to be a part of that project. I, I, Jason is a great friend of mine. I, through this project, I've had the chance to meet him. We're going to be with the motorcycle at the Wheels of Steel show in December. Uh, so, yeah, definitely I want to be a part of that. I want, I like, just to keep pay, playing it forward, man. So here's what we're looking for first. Let me make this clear. We need an Ironhead Sportster. Somebody out there has an Ironhead Sportster. They can donate to this incredible cause. I'm sure at the end of all of it, you know, whether we get through uh, Pat Jansen, Sin Central, or Forgotten Angels can provide you with a receipt for your taxes or whatever. We need an Ironhead Sportster to start with. We need some parts. Bill Stevens says, I got a bunch of Ironhead stuff here you can have. See, and this is how it happens yeah, right there. It all starts. Looking for Ironhead stuff. Who, who's holding? Who's holding? Who's What's holding? up? <laughs> oh, boy. All right, man. Listen, if you would please stay with us for uh, for just for what's that, Heather? Hit up cyclesource.com, contact us. We will collect the parts to get this project underway. There you go. If you'll stay with us for just uh, two minutes here, we're gonna we're gonna pay some bills for the show. I want to make sure that I give everybody a um, a little heads up about where to watch what you're doing and uh, keep an eye on you and and track this thing as it goes further also so if you stick around just for a minute we'll be right back um remind you guys this is chris with cycle source magazine you're watching shop talk in the dennis kirk motorcycle studio don't go anywhere two minutes we're right back with more shop talk the absolute favorite thing for me about riding is the freedom and the power it cost me so much money to get a car that is half as fast i've been riding ever since i was three and a half so my dad got me uh, riding when I was very young. I started on dirt bikes, and then later I got into street bikes. When I, as soon as I turned 16, I got my first FJ600. I loved it, it was great. Now I have a 2007 Triumph Speed Triple. 
It's kind of a Street Fighter look. There's not really any fairings on it, and that's what I like about it. When I'm riding, just to hear that pipe and uh, that wind in my face, it's, uh, it's like nothing else. My name is Charlie, and I'm a Dennis Kirk rider. It's Xavier with Providence Cycle Works in Austin, Texas. Your host for the 2021 High Seas Rally, the only biker rally on a cruise ship. I'm super pumped and way excited to be on the ship this year. But what I'm most excited about is the custom bike that I'm building for one of you guys to win. You're automatically entered when you come on board with us. Let's get ready to rock. All right, man. Hey, we're back. I appreciate you guys being patient with us. So um, tell everybody, Jared, where they can they can hook up with you, keep track of your builds, your adventures, what's going on with the raffle bike next. Yeah, man. So everything uh, uh, pretty much is uh, centralized around our Instagram account, which is weemsmotorco.tampa on Instagram. Uh, you can find a lot of our, uh, our stuff that's going on, not, not only with the David Man bike and all of the upcoming shows that we'll be at, but also some of the other projects that I'm working on, the other David Man Triumph, uh, and some of our merchandise. Uh, but a lot of the things uh, going on as far as the raffle go straight to the website, weemsmotorco.com. Click on the raffle tab at the top, and it will give you all of the information, all of the legalities. If you have any questions about you know, how does this work? Am I able to enter? What is this? You know, how's, you know, these T's crossing these dies done? That's where you can find all that information. And, um, you know, like I said, a hundred percent is this of this is going to forgotten angels. Um, my gift is the, the ability to build the motorcycle and, and the finances that I've, I've put behind it. And that's my gift to it. And just to be able to give you guys the opportunity to, to, to pay it for it also is, is the greatest, uh, humbling experience that it's been is, is knowing that you know somebody's going to win this bike but so much more that even if you just purchase one ticket uh, you're already a winner because you help these kids out um, you Absolutely. know $25 is nothing compared to you know how it's going to help these kids pay it Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't thank you enough, man. And uh, I do want to mention that our senior executive producer, Mr. Rob Nussbaum, has let us know that the Silver Sportster is actually purple. Um, thank you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Let's go. I, I, I actually have, I have the, the, the box sitting here behind me of the painting. And I, I have to say, you know, from the original first time that I seen it, uh, from a sun-faded magazine fold-out to pictures online, until actually having print number one in my hands is to see how incredible David Mann was. Oh, painter. yeah. Yep. I mean, details. I mean, even capturing it into a magazine does not pay tribute to what he did. And everybody thinks, you know, maybe this painting was, you know, three foot long or four foot tall. No, David man literally painted his paintings on the same size of what a you know a center spread would be 
that's how so that's how Richie that's how Richie Pan used to do yeah. it too, man. Like when I when I paint, I go, I paint on great big canvases because it just it it feels free and it you know it's it's real forgiving. Richie used to do that same thing. Like we actually Richie and I and Georgia painter Darren McKeg all ended up at the David Mann Chopper Fest painting live when we first met Jackie. And I would go around the corner from my booth and see Richie working on this yeah. thing like this. And I'm like, dude, how in the hell do you paint that small? <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible to watch them cats. Yeah, it's it's like thinking, you know, you take a, a you know a picture with your phone and you blow it up. And all of a sudden, it's super pixelated, you know? Well, David's stuff was so intricate on a small-scale level. I mean, the smallest little brush strokes just yeah. to give it that, that sense of chrome is just i mean it's mind-boggling and i love that i'm a small little piece a small little part of this story of one you triumph out of two that david mann painted uh is just that captured my heart to be able to say hey triumph cool i like triumph i'm gonna recreate yeah. that uh, david mann did some super cool stuff and now it's blown up into this this thing that's way bigger than me well, here's uh, this used to be one of our, our favorite questions when we were doing trivia stuff to give prizes and stuff away. But what is the one reason why you could never build a 100% accurate David Mann motorcycle from the paintings? And I bet you know. I know this because <laughs> I've done a lot of David Mann research. Uh, funny enough, find me a David Mann painting where the wheel has the air nozzle has the that's it right there baby none of them (laughs) (laughs) but but you know what you know what's funny is there's actually a guy who did it that built the bike without the nozzle i know i've heard of this but i've never seen it in person yep uh i have never seen the bike in person myself either um but uh, i was like i was so intrigued that actually somebody took that that time to to be able to notice that that he never put that on any of his paintings and i was like i was like you know if i could do that i'm working with very minimalistic stuff you know in my shop and i'm like if i could do that it'd be way cooler but then it's kind of like almost unrideable you have to have you know you know things like that but this motorcycle is completely you know i have a lot of people ask me all the time does it run does it ride and i'm like why would i build a motorcycle that i couldn't ride you know if i was building it for myself and uh, so on a few of the shows, I'll usually right at the end, I'll fire it up and take it for a little run around the, yeah. the park lot and show people. It's like, hey, it's a run and riding motorcycle. Somebody's going to get something, you know, that they could, you know, ride. I I kind of wouldn't. I mean, just because of the historical and the importance of it. Um, but if you wanted to get out there and ride the tires off of it, it's completely able to do so. Well, I think even without the valve stem up, we can all agree that you scored a 99.9999999 on the accuracy of this build well thank you guys i I appreciate it and i I blame that on my my mom which i know she's always in the comments nancy ween i was gonna ask you i was gonna ask you who who nancy is because man we love her she is always here supporting us always one of the first ones in always telling other people to like and share the show she's badass yeah, it, you know, and I think we could probably say that about all of our moms is they're, they're our biggest fans. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, Mom, hush. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 don't throw me out there like that. Uh, but, no, I love Mom. And I, I have to say between her and Dad, I, 
I, you know, I, I blame them for my OCD that, that caused me to, uh, you know, make this bike exactly the way David did. Right on. Well, listen, Jared, thank you so much for coming on tonight and sharing your story. It's incredible. Remember what I said, get, get over to weemsmotorco.com. Get those tickets. I see people like John. Johnny Dell actually went and just donated money to to the uh, Forgotten Angels. Um, several wow. people tonight talking about buying tickets for this that they've already bought them. Really, really incredible to talk to you and hear that you know, like I was saying in in the promo in the beginning of the show, it, it's it's such a complicated time where we need to remind ourselves of the good work that happens within community. You, my friend, are a shining example, so thank you so much. Well, Chris, Heather, Mark, I I definitely appreciate you guys having me on, and and I was kind of reading through the comments there on the side, and and, uh, David uh, Tyler, which is one of the, the, he's the executive director from Forgotten Angels. He was on there earlier, and, and he literally said, you know, you guys are welcome anytime at Forgotten Angels. And that's 100% sure. Um, if you're ever in the Tampa area and you want to go out there and check them out, hit me up first because I'm going to go with you. I love hanging yeah. out with these kids. Hey, let's um, make a plan yeah. around the around the the Wheels of Steel show. Let's make a plan to do that. I'd love to. I'd love to to pop in there and oh, maybe we can definitely. Some of the flat let's do it. Like, so. Yep, for sure. That'd be awesome. All right, man. Well, we're going to cut you loose again. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great night. We'll, yeah. we'll keep you posted you. on the status of that silver purple sportster. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's build it. Right on. All right, guys. Hey, this is Chris with Cycle Source Magazine. We're coming to you like we do every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Shop Talk. Has become my absolute pr- pleasure to do this show because it constantly reminds me motorcycles are more than just buying shit and going out and acting like a tough guy. Some of the greatest people you ever meet, some of the greatest stories, some of the greatest parts of who we are today in the United States. Don't forget it. Don't forget that this like is that where story just makes you want to hug him. I know, right? I don't know. I'm stuck on your yeah. tough guy. You're uh, no, you're hey, looking here. Tough guy. Look, I'm telling you, tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, man, um, we got a couple things to get through. Don't go anywhere yet. We still have one more piece of news, and this is coming in from oh, boy. the Fillmore Gazette. It is a feel good story, and we need that right now. Celebrating yes. 100 years with the ride of her life. On Tuesday, October 20th, Mary Ruth Walker celebrated her 100th birthday by taking her first motorcycle ride through Fillmore. Pictured is Ruthie in Susie's, or Sidecar Susie with her family before she takes off photo courtesy of the Sidecar team, Jim Estes, Sidecar Susie, Ellsworth, and Troy White. So she awesome. That that's how she wanted to celebrate her 100th birthday. She said, I've always wanted to ride in a motorcycle. Project how a little. Cool is that? Project a little for us, Heather. I can't. My throat hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's cool. She's 100 years old. That's how she wanted to spend her birthday. She rocks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, man. This is how lucky we are that all this time we've been riding motorcycles. You know, I've been riding motorcycles since I was a kid, since I was before I was old enough to do almost anything. I was riding a bike. We're lucky, lucky people. So lots of lots of stuff going on. Uh, You guys, 
we have some big announcements coming up with the T-Dozer, but if you haven't had a chance yet, um, TwistedT.com or text to 24587, you get a chance to win this motorcycle. This is something Twisted T does every year with us. They have this custom motorcycle built just as a way to say thank you to their fans in this month's Cycle Source magazine. You can actually see a whole feature on that motorcycle um, on the Cycle Source YouTube page. You can see us build various parts of this bike. Um, coming up here real soon, we're actually going to have Billy Grotto in the house with us in Grease and Gears Garage working on next year's motorcycle. And we're going to have a big announcement about the T-Dozer and what's going on with the giveaway for this year. So stay tuned for that. Um, we told you guys about the Wheels of Steel show coming up. I did my job with that. <laughs> I'm trying to go through the list, you know. Dude, next next year on the High Seas Rally, so Xavier was in the commercial. We told you he's building an incredible bike for a giveaway to one lucky person that's going to be on the cruise on the High Seas Rally. Um, what the commercial doesn't talk about, and that's our fault because we need to make a commercial for this, we're doing a virtual bike show. We're doing a, a Grease and Gears Garage uh, segments throughout the cruise. We're also going to be doing some form of mini bike racing. We haven't, I don't know if we got, did we get anything as far as an all clear yet, Heather, about whether we're doing it on the ship or at the ports? I think we might be doing it at the ports. Okay. Um, but that means like private island beaches ports. So we still might be able to carry this out on the ship if we had an electric mini bike sponsor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, would you like that spalding? Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're so shallow. I know, Jesus. So we want to one more time give a big thanks out to Dennis Kirk Motorcycles. They ship today. If you are last minute like me all the time when I'm building stuff, I don't think about it until I need it right then in my hands. Why don't they chip us an elevator so we can get out of this basement? I wonder if they chip us an iron head. Don't forget all our sponsors in the upper corner. Yep. That way. Everybody there, you know, those guys. like I said, these have been complicated times for the motorcycle industry, man, while we're all locked down and at home. And uh, these good folks make sure that they go out of their way so that we have this program available, a way to keep our community together. Uh, I just saw. What? What'd you see? I just saw someone ask you about. Saw that chicken? About CyberSwap. CyberSwap is coming back. We finally have the folks at Cycle Warehouse have stepped up to be the uh, presenting sponsor for that. And we have a whole new platform for it that's going to um, incur more sales for the people that are coming on to swap and sell bikes and stuff. So it's going to be um, a much better show. Look for that in the next few weeks here. Uh, plenty of stuff going on at Source Media. If you're not aware of all the stuff that we do Tuesday nights, Coast to Coast with Chris Summer Simmons and Michael Lichter. They talk about women in motorcycling, music and motorcycling, motorcycle history. Wednesday nights, the Cannonball Chronicles, Jason Sims and Rob Nussbaum talk about old bikes and everybody on the Cannonball and the, and the uh, Cross Country Chase. It's a fantastic, fantastic show. Yeah. Um, Sundays, obviously, we're talking about bringing back the, uh, the Cyber Swap. And why is Heather's vocal so bad? Because she's in New Hampshire and didn't take her road gear with her. Everybody say boo, Heather. Hey, just wait until I back the bus up over you. (laughs) Okay, I'm waiting. (laughs) 
Anything? Hmm? Anything? <laughs> I think I might need to stay in New Hampshire a little longer. <laughs> well, I guess oh, we'll be going now. to pick a pickup truck up tomorrow. There's <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Ballard says, New Hampshire rocks. Okay. <laughs> all right, man. I think that's going to do it for us. We got through all the news that will fit here. And uh, what an incredible show. Again, thanks to Jared for being on and, and being the kind of man that he is. It makes me proud to be part of the motorcycle community. Um, I guess I'm proud of both of you two. Whatever. Hurry up, yeah. home. I'm getting tired of him. All right. Make sure you tune in next I'm Sunday. Next, <laughs> next Sunday. Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? Bueller. Next Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Shop Talk. All week long, other programs from Source Media Group. And you can watch this not only on Facebook. You can watch this on Twitter. You can watch this through Choppertown. You can watch this on YouTube. Hell, on YouTube, you can pitch it over to your television. You can sit in your couch and eat pizza and watch this show. I like it's pizza. awesome. I like pizza, too. I want to sit in my couch and, and eat pizza and do this show. That'd be awesome. All we got to do is get somebody send us some pizza. So lots of stuff coming up. Um, there's going to be some great guests in the next couple months here as we get into the winter months. We're going to be doing stuff live in the shop. We have a whole new rig that we're going to be taking some of our shop talk talk time talk. and move it to the Grease and Gears Garage due time. Dude, and we'll bring you guys along with us. But until next week, when we come back, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with another episode of Shop Talk, I'm Chris. And you can see us the same chopper time. It's very quiet. That's your cue, Heather. She's so quiet. I know. Same chopper channel. Bye, Felicia. Jesus. That was rough. <laughs> <laughs>